I did what they said. I don't know that I even realized it, but Bentley and Jameson told me to get my heart broken, and I did. I was reckless with love in ways I never was before they told me that blasted story, and I got my heart good and broken. And not only that, but once I did, I was so despondent that I couldn't think, couldn't concentrate on my studies, not on anything. So I didn't graduate last term at all. I tried again, but it didn't get any better. I left Primblebank's Manor, intending to graduate and find love, and now, now I'll never do either. Blast them! What am I to do now? Why return to Primblebank's Manor, of course. Are you mad? That's where my trouble started. Because you listened to their stories. This time, Lucinda Brimblebanks, you must ignore their fictions and learn the truth. The truth? Return to Brimblebanks Manor, Lucinda. Dig into the past and you'll find your future. And you'll show Bentley and Jameson what it's really like to have their hearts broken, too. Yes. Yes, I think I'd like that. I think I'd like that very much. Welcome. Friends feeling a slowly spreading sense of foreboding to the inscrutable Brimblebank's Brothers Electronic Storytime. Tonight's story is the truth. Now make sure you have all your affairs in order before I turn you over to Cousin Lucinda Brimblebanks. Hello. Is this recording? Hello? Oh, good. Millicent, this is Lucinda, recording everything that's about to happen. I just... I don't know. This pertains to you, too. I wish you were here with me, and this maybe kind of makes me feel like you are. A little, anyway. I'm making my way up the stone pathway to Brimblebanks Manor now. Okay, Millicent, here goes. Welcome, Lucinda Brimblebanks. How nice to see you. Your cousins, Bentley and Jameson, told me you were coming. Follow me in sight and I will inform them that you've arrived. Thank you, Voxbot 5000. Did you know I have been programmed to speak 25 different languages, but will never know what chocolate tastes like? Uh, no. I guess I didn't know that, Voxbot. On the plus side, I will never have to get my wisdom teeth removed. No. As I do not have any to begin with. Yes. Well, I'm off to fetch your cousins. Now, I hope my light conversation has given you sufficient subject matter to digest whilst you wait. Thank you, Voxbot. Here in the foyer, I can see some very old photographs and even older painted portraits along the staircase to the second floor. But no recent photos. Nothing even close to recent. I'll keep my eye out in other rooms and ask for photo albums later if I must. Here they come. Cousin Lucinda, how nice to see you. Hello, Cousin Jameson. You know, we had been expecting you for the holidays. When you didn't arrive, I was forced to eat an additional portion of Yule Log. A cousin Bentley? I would have eaten it. You can't even taste anything. Such is my sorrow. Sorry I wasn't able to make it. I had... A surprise visitor in my final days at university and was unavoidably detained. Ah, I see. 
a gentleman called? A torrid affair. It wasn't like that at all. Was there a poisonous jumbo land tadpole poised outside of your door? No. Bentley, please. The girl is allowed some secrets. Even from family? What do you do alone in your room on Tuesday nights that makes the hallways smell of sulfur and cinnamon? Mind your own damn business. Precisely. At any rate, Cousin Lucinda, we're glad you're able to visit now. Our home is your home. Thank you. Foxpot will show you to your room and then we'll meet in a bit in the ball pit for hors d'oeuvres before dinner. I believe hors d'oeuvres are going to be served in the living room this evening, Bentley. Oh, fine. I'm in the living room now, Millicent, waiting for our cousins to arrive. I found something I'd like to ask them about. I think I hear them coming now. Well, we forgot the cook is on leave after having gotten trapped in the meat locker last week, where she had to remember her wackiest moments from past seasons. So we won't be having mini quiches or goat cheese tarts. But I did roll some olives up in American cheese slices and stick toothpicks through them. And I put Tic Tacs on top of Nilla wafers. Well, I... I tried to, anyway. Thanks. I can do without the hors d'oeuvres. I found something I wanted to ask you about. This picture. Where did you find that? In the room next to mine. Who are the three boys in this picture? I'd swear this is you, Cousin Jameson. And even without the beard, this looks like you, Cousin Bentley. But who is this other boy? You know I'm suddenly not feeling well. I think I'll skip dinner and finish up some work, then head to bed. But, Jameson, I thought you liked telling stories. Good night, Cousin Lucinda. I hope I haven't offended him. He'll be fine. He just... He doesn't like talking about this. Boxbot, a bottle of B&B. Lucinda, sit down. Are you going to lecture me, cousin? Not at all, Lucinda. You're family, and you deserve to know the truth. The older boy in that picture was my brother Mortimer, and I'm going to tell you how he died. This all began shortly after our mother had passed. How did she die? Hmm. One thing at a time, I think. Mortimer was just 16 years old at the time. He would have looked like just a boy to me now, but to my 11-year-old eyes, he looked like a grown man. Jameson was just eight and looked up to our brother like he was a god. I suppose I looked up to him too. I could not understand why, just as we needed him the most. He was going to leave us. I have to go, Bentley. I have to learn the truth. The truth, Mortimer, is that our mother is dead. Father and Jameson are still alive and they need you here. No, they don't. There's nothing I can do for them. And besides, they have you, Bentley. National Mortimer, I need you to stay here too. I'm sorry, Bentley. All right. And I won't be gone forever. One truth in one, well, if not a lie, a promise unfulfilled. He did write once or twice, but he did stay away forever. I remember the last letter he sent us. Father read it out loud to us, but when I think back to what it said, I always hear it in Mortimer's voice. My dear brothers, by now I am sure Father has told you the truth about Grimblebank's manner and the sacred duty of our storytelling. I had a hard time believing it at first, but my travels have proven to me that it's all true. Father? Yes, Jameson. Father, I don't believe you have told us the truth about Brimblebank's manor. Nor the sacred nature of our storytelling. Haven't I? No, I don't believe you have. Hmm. Seems like I would have. Seems like we would have remembered. Hmm. Maybe it was when you were babies. 
Do you two remember being babies? No. Well, that would explain it. Anyway, he goes on to say... Hang on a moment. What is the truth about Brimblebank's manner and the sacred nature of our storytelling? One thing at a time, I think. Anyway, he goes on to say... In my travels, I have learned that we Brimblebanks have enemies. Terrible enemies that would stop us from fulfilling our charge and telling our stories. To that end, I am writing you now from the stronghold of the retro-futurists. When I think back to that memory, I don't remember hearing the letter so much as I actually see him there, hopeful and determined on the cliffside stronghold of the retro-futurists. Admiral Pillbox, his safari jacket adorned with clockwork medals, approaches. Young Master Bribble Banks, we thank you again for joining us against the acid-mouthed pelican riders of From Dimension Dread. Of course, Admiral Pillbox. They're my enemies as well. Once they've dissolved your fortress here, they'll move on to my home of Brimblebank's Manor, where my beloved father and brothers yet reside. A hearty handshake before we mount our sky velocipedes and head into battle? A hearty handshake indeed. Now, let me just finish up this letter and I'll mount up. Brothers, I've instructed Admiral Pillbox to send you this letter in the event of my death. Should you receive it, please know I died for you and your stories. Forever yours, Mortimer Brimblebanks, etc., etc. You mean... I'm afraid so. He's dead. Admiral Pillbox said near the end of the battle he leaped into the beak of the leader from the Dimension Dread's pelican and chopped it up from the inside, saving the day, but perished in the process. He signs off. P.S. Carry on our stories. Mind our father, and always be sure to eat beets at least once a week. Hang on half a moment. What is it, Bentley? Well, it's just... I mean, I've believed it all for so long, but... What? You know, sometimes your parents tell you something when you're very small, and of course you believe it. And then you just go on believing it, even when you've grown up and become more sensible. Yes, so... I mean, if someone had told me that in any recent years, I should have known it was a lie. But I've gone on believing it all along, right up until I heard myself say it aloud. Bentley. Beets? What utter nonsense! Mortimer would never have told us to eat our beets, and certainly not right before facing the terrible acid-mouthed pelicans of Dimension Dread. Mm, so the bit about the beets. A bold-faced lie. My father tacked on to the letter. But you still think the rest is all true? Well, obviously. Dash it all! I've been eating those blasted beets every bloody week since I was a tween! But Bentley... I'm sorry. I'll need some time to absorb this. I hate blasted bloody beets! Well, that was certainly odd. There, there. Perhaps you will feel better if you hear a commercial? I hardly see how that would... And now a word from our sponsors. Hey! My buddy just had his family history researched by Ancestry Incorporated. And you know what he found? What? He's related to none other than Schuler Colfax, 17th Vice President of the United States. Wow! That's awesome! It sure is! I wish I were related to someone as awesome as Schuler Colfax. Well, now you can be. What? Have you ever heard of Fancestry Incorporated? Fancestry Incorporated? 
What's that? At Fancestry Incorporated, we don't just tell you who you are related to. We let you pick what famous figures from the past you want to be related to. So I could be related to Schuler Colfax! Yes! Schuler Colfax, Abner Doubleday, Laszlo Bio. The inventor of the ballpoint pen! Yes! The sky is the limit! Incredible! It is! We have an ingenious plan to travel back in time and play the matchmaker between one of your confirmed ancestors and the person you want to be related to. We'll provide the romantic violin music, oversized heart-shaped boxes of chocolates, candles, everything needed to ensure the romance. Wait, but wouldn't changing who has kids with who in the past have all kinds of unintended consequences? Hmm, I doubt it. But no, no, since each individual is made up of the precise mix of inherited genes from their ancestors, doesn't it seem certain that if you did this, I would not exist at all? Certainly not as I do now. Seems like you're overthinking this. So, well, how does it work? Well, it doesn't. What? Yeah, it doesn't work. We haven't actually figured out the time travel part yet. Then why are we making a commercial? Well, we bought the airtime a couple weeks ago, and we were pretty sure we could figure out all the details before the commercial went out. I see. Perhaps too optimistic. Yes, perhaps so. Well. Yes. Um... Sorry to have wasted everyone's time! There. Nothing like a little consumerism encouragement to raise the spirits. Now back to Cousin Lucinda. Well, Millicent, Cousin Bentley seemed pretty certain about most of his story, but I can't help but think we really only learned the following things. One. Bentley and Jameson had a brother named Mortimer who left after their mother died and has since died himself. Two, there may be some purpose to the stories Bentley and Jameson tell just beyond flapping their gums. Three, Bentley hates beets. Cousin Jameson is reluctant to talk about any of this, but perhaps if I try again, I'm at the door of his study. What now? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to disturb you. It's... Ah. Cousin, it's you. I apologize. I do come in. I was just worried I had offended you. Not at all. Dear cousin, we don't see you frequently enough, and it is such a delight when we do. I wish you visited more often, which makes me even more sorry that I left the room when I might have further enjoyed your company. One more thing to regret. Jameson, are you drinking? <laughs> I had drunk. I did drink, and I shall momentarily drink again. I don't think I've ever seen you imbibe before. Well, I don't generally. Which has resulted in an incredibly low tolerance. Irish whiskey? May I? Lucinda, I don't think... It has been a very hard few months for me, cousin. Well, dash it all. Have at it, then. What sort of moral high ground have I at this juncture? to a successful semester of college. Hmm. I have a better toast. To the truth. The truth, Lucinda. Always something worth toasting, I say. Well, as a member of the family responsible for keeping alive a long and rich storytelling tradition, Lucinda, you must be aware there's never only one. We always see the story through someone's perspective, and even those subjective truths are frequently revised at a later date when more information is at hand. But you will allow me that there is such a thing as an outright lie. Yes, certainly. 
cousin. This storytelling tradition, this inheritance. Bentley alluded to its sacred nature, but he didn't elaborate. Well, you are a successful college student now, all grown in pursuing her dreams. I suppose you should know. So there is something I don't know, a truth, as it were. No one means to keep you in the dark, dear Cos. The nature of Brimblebank's manor is a necessary secret. When I found out, well, it was shortly after Mortimer passed. My father took Bentley and I aside. We were still so young. Normally a Brimblebanks does not speak of these things to children. Some truths are too terrifying and sublime for a child to imagine, but my father had lost his wife and his eldest son. And that day he seemed frightened. As he spoke, he was only half with us. The rest of him seemed somewhere else, far away, somewhere terrifying. Come sit with me, sons, by the fire. Is it time for a story? And this one have vampires in it. This isn't a story about other people. It's a story about us, about the Brimblebanks and Brimblebanks Manor. Is Bentley and me in it? Is Bentley and I in it? You might be soon, and that's why I need to tell you the story now. You notice each time I tell you a story, it's in a different place. Sometimes here in England, and... Sometimes in space. Sometimes a long time ago inside the stomach of a snail. Yes, yes, many places, many worlds, many times. They press against our world. Most people only see them in fragments, moments, in what we call imagination. But they're there, all around, all around us, in particular here at Brimblebank's Manor. These worlds are like rushing waters swirling and eddying about our home, beating relentlessly against our walls on all sides. So many rivers, so many streams, held back by this structure, as if by a great dam. It stands to reason, then, Father, that eventually our walls would give in to that savage and relentless pressure, and we shall all be swept away in an onslaught of other worlds. Father, is that true? Of course it is, Jameson. Listen to Father when he speaks. If there are as many worlds as he describes, they will sweep away not just us, but all of England and maybe our whole reality. Bentley, don't scare your brother. So that won't happen? Well, it would happen, except for us, for the Brimblebanks. We are the reason it doesn't. What do we do to stop it? What we always do. What we have done for generations. What we are best at. Stories. Correct. The pressure from all of the worlds that surround us would be too great and our walls would collapse, letting untold number of realities sweep into our world and possibly destroy it. But that pressure can be lessened in small increments, allowing our world to remain standing. The stories I tell you serve as a pressure release, allowing small amounts of other world to enter ours in a controlled and harmless stream. Then the pressure never builds up high enough to destroy us. Are you saying every time we sit by the fire like this and you tell us one of your stories, you're saving the world? Yes! That is why it is so important the stories never stop. 
That is why I am telling you now. Because if I am ever gone, it will be left to one of you to tell the stories and protect the world. Me? Because I'm oldest now. I have to save the world like Mortimer did. Why can't I save the world? This is not something to fight over and not something to take lightly. It is a sacred responsibility, a calling, a reason for being, but it is not a choice. It cannot be set aside, not under any circumstances. You can depend on me, Father. What What do you mean if you're ever gone? Gone? Like Mom? Like Mortimer? My boys, my boys. I don't ever wish to leave you. But he did. Leaving us alone. With that terrible burden. Sacred calling, perhaps. For an adult. But Bendy and I were only... Cousin? We were so young. When father died. But all turns out for the best, doesn't it? Cousin, that's a charming story your father told you about Brimblebank's Manor. How fun it must have been to believe you lived in an enchanted home. Hmm. Fun. Certainly Bendy and I enjoy ourselves sometimes. These days. It helps that it's both of us now. But at that time it was terrifying. When Bendy was gone it was... Well, I don't like to remember that. It is more than a little difficult to tell stories to no one. More than a little maddening. That's why we started the broadcast. Electronic story time. Maybe you've had enough to drink, cousin. You know, if you were so scared of that story as a child, it was rather cruel of my uncle, your father, to let you believe such a thing was true. Oh, but it is true. I doubted it myself. Until Guy Fieri. Who? He's that ghastly, sweaty, peroxided fellow who makes cheeseburgers on the Food Network. That beady-eyed wart of a man who wears his sunglasses on the back of his head and screams at the camera about chicken fingers and flavor country? The same. It was after Bentley left and I may have lapsed. Well, I lapsed. And then there he was, from another world, yelling at me in our sitting room that I should try spice-blasted fish tacos. Guy Fieri? It was an epic fantasy, and there was an army of trolls, and he was the cook. For the whole army. But I didn't want to tell about him. I was tired and lonely and scared, and the whole thing seemed ridiculous, and I just did not want to tell about Guy Fieri. A troll cook. That's why he wears those sunglasses backwards. He actually has another set of eyes back there. Anyway, I couldn't put him back. I had no idea how to even start. He covered everything in the greenhouse with cheese. Deep fried my pet hamster and filled the bird bath with sriracha. I finally let him out the front gate and he wandered about. I finally let him out the front gate 
And he wandered about shouting about flavor blasting. And now he's on the Food Network. Commandeered it, I think. I'm amazed people seem to think he's human. Anyway, you see how far the ramifications can go. And that was just one little slip up. I don't like to think about it. Oh, really, cousin? You and Bentley never stop. Stories upon stories upon stories. I think your electronic story time with Bentley is all fine and good, and I even listen to it occasionally at school. But you can't really expect me to believe it serves any function beyond amusing the two of you and your handful of listeners. Jameson? Jameson? Um, poor birds after that. They are all spicy. More slime inside the belly than out. Drunk himself silly. And now with the song Family Reunion, here is our very special musical guest, John Craigie. Well, we got stoned at the family reunion for obvious reasons. <laughs> there was too much food, not enough booze, and there was nothing really vegetarian. So me and my cousin Steve, we went down to the swings and we had ourselves a little pub. And we got Stoned at the family reunion for obvious reasons. Well, my Aunt Jean, she had been a hippie back in the old hippie days. She came up to us smiling and saying I could smell y'all from my own way. <laughs> so we offered and she accepted there was really no need for an explanation. And we got stoned at the family reunion for obvious reasons. Well, my cousin Seamus, he couldn't blame us when he found us down by the swing set. He said, I tried it once back in 1981, and I've been looking for it ever since. <laughs> so he joined our circle, and pretty soon we were talking, saying stuff like, man, did you know that Mercury's year, day, wait, wait, hold on, wait, wait, no, man, did you, okay, hold on, okay, did you know Mercury's day is longer than its year? Man, did you, I don't know, did you think about that? Man? The day is longer, I think it's because, like, the sun, man, just think about it. And also, like, if you think about it, man, like a book, like, if you're reading, like, a Steinbeck book and it says, like, 500 pages, you know, like, actually, it's just, like, 250 pieces of paper in there. Like, not 500, man. Each paper is two pages that you ever think about. That. <laughs> and we got stoned at the family reunion for obvious reasons. Oh, so 
Brother Dan and my half-sister Ann got the guitars and the paints. And one by one, everybody disappeared without a trace. And after a while, old Grandpa John looked around and wondered, wondered where everybody went. <laughs> He walked through the park in the dark. King and a smile across his face as he came across the swing set. Because everyone was laughing, nobody was fighting. He ran down the hill and joined the big group hugs. Yeah, we got stoned at the family reunion for Turn you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of relative secrecy. Here's Cousin Lucinda Brimble Banks. I begin to suspect, dear Millicent, that Bentley and Jameson are not the avenue toward finding the answers I seek at all. I nearly forgot, though, that there is another relative in Brimble Banks Manor I can consult. I'm standing in front of the spirit cabinet now, and I must admit, I am a little nervous. I mean, I know she's a relative, but it's not every day one chats with... a ghost. Oh, Aunt Zilla! Can we talk for a moment? Well now, if it isn't little Lucinda Brimblebanks, all grown up. What a complete surprise. It's nice to see you, Aunt Zilla. Is it? Is it that lovely Lucinda? Well, I admit to feeling some trepidation, given that you are deceased. Mm, I appreciate your candor. And yet you decide to visit me despite your fear. That still puts you ahead of that pair of pretentious pinheads too preoccupied with pontificating potboilers to pass some time with the passed-on patron. Bentley and Jameson? They're all right. Are they, dearie? Are they that? A man came to me, Aunt Zilla. A man with one eye and dressed all in black. Mm, did he? And he bade me to return to Brimblebank's Manor and look into the past. Secrets of the past, eh? Well then, some families like to keep their secrets buried, don't they? Aunt Zilla, do you know something? Oh, Lucinda B, little Lulu, your dear Auntie Z knows many things. Do you know where our family secrets are buried, Aunt Zilla? You didn't let me finish, dear. Some families keep their secrets buried, but others simply pack them up and tuck them away. In the attic? You'll find a certain wardrobe waiting there. Look into the past to find your future. And when you get what you have coming to you, remember, your dear Aunt Zilla helped to make it so. <laughs> I'm up in the attic of Brimblebank's Manor now, Millicent. 
It's pitch black, save for what I can see by the light of my phone. What is this box labeled? Monkey's paws. Parenthesis. Metaphorical. Next one. Monkey's paws. Parenthesis. Literal. Torture devices. Impossible devices. Literary devices. There's a strange sort of jumbo computer, like the ones you see in old movies in one corner. And a little sign that reads, There's a god in this machine. Do not use. Ah, here! Well, actually, there are two wardrobes in here. I guess I'll try the left one first. Looks like it's full of old fur coats. Long fur coats. Maybe there's something beyond them. I... I can't seem to find the back of the wardrobe. Why is it so cold in here? Why have the fur coats gotten so prickly? There's a light up ahead. Dear God, Millicent, I'm outside in the snow next to a lamp post. There's a strange creature up ahead. Half man, half goat. He's making a snowman. No, a snow lady. What? 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 What's a cool snow lady like you doing in a freezing other world fantasy like this? Give Tumnus some sugar. Oh dear, he's kissing it. Oh my god, that's cold. So cold. My cock frozen. This is so weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, cold. Hello. Look, I think I picked the wrong wardrobe. I'm just gonna. Kind of, yeah, see ya! Okay, Millicent, I'm back in the attic. I'm going to try the other wardrobe instead. Okay, I'm walking in. It's dark, but I don't see anything in here. But, oh my god, I just walk straight in, and without turning around, I walk straight out again. Something is different, though. I don't think there's quite as much stuff up here. No? There definitely isn't. I I hear voices downstairs. Hold on. Millicent, I've made my way back down to the second floor, but have noticed a few distinct differences in decor along the way. I hear some coughing coming from one of the master bedrooms. I don't think anyone lives in that room now, but let me peek through the keyhole. There's an old man on the bed. I think it's... It is! Millicent, he died long before either of us was born, but it's our grandfather! I'll slide the microphone under the door. <coughs> Voxbot 3000? Yes, Master Brimblebanks. Go, go and fetch my children, will you? Yes, Master Erasmus. Get Aloysius first, then Dalton. I'll speak with Zilla last. Very well, Master. I am off to fetch young Master Aloysius. He's coming this way. I'll hide behind this marble statue of a walrus in a samurai costume, which, now that I say it aloud, I notice is an odd and tacky statue, too. Anyway, I have to be quiet. Oh dear, oh dear. This doesn't look good. Nothing I can do now but hope for the best while I fetch the brothers. The robot is gone. Off to fetch Uncle Aloysius, Bentley and Jameson's father. And then he's going to get... Millicent, he's going to get Dalton Brimblebanks, our father, when he was just a young man. I really have gone back in time. 
I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to talk to our grandfather. I've always wondered what he was like. Uh, who, who is that? Who's there? Well, I'm... Oh, Zilla? Is that you? That darn contraption was supposed to get your brothers first. He thinks I'm Aunt Zilla when she was my age. I guess I'll go along. Yes, Father, it's me. Are you unwell today? I'm dying, my dear. Oh, Father. We haven't time for sentiment, Zilla. And we are honest, we must admit. You are not the sentimental kind. You have many fine qualities, but sentiment is not among them. I suppose not, Father. You will be taken care of, my dear. I will see to that. But... Though you are the oldest, Brimblebank's manor will not be yours. Because I'm a girl? No, because you have no sentiment. The place... The stories it holds. You know you haven't the temperament to be their caretaker. I suppose not. <coughs> you took that rather well, my dear. I'm proud of you. I hear Foxbot returning now with my un with my brother. I'll leave you with him. We shall speak more of this later, my dear. <laughs> I'm not really leaving. I'm going to hide behind this tapestry of kittens firing a smiling eggplant out of a cannon. Good lord, this house has some off decor. Anyway, I think there's more room to hear. I have returned with Master Aloysius, sir. Thank you, Foxbot. Now I shall go fetch Master Dalton. Thank you. Come closer, my son. There he is. Bentley and Jameson's father. He looks to be in his late teens, perhaps young twenties. You're looking well, father? No, I'm not, Aloysius. I am not long for this earth. Don't say that. I have told you many stories, my son. But this is no time for fiction. Soon I shall die. You are a fine storyteller, my boy in the grand traditions of Brimblebanks. Thank you, Father. But I'm afraid I've chosen Dalton to carry on as master of this home and its stories. But, Father... I'm sorry. My mind is made up. You would make a fine caretaker as well, but Dalton has... I'm sorry, Aloysius, but I had to choose one. I've chosen Dalton. That's not fair. <laughs> no, no, no. Not fair is the old way of doing things. <laughs> Just handing things off to the oldest boy. <laughs> Can't we talk about this? There's no time. I've already written my will. It's right here, see? <laughs> Father, should I get someone? I... Aloysius, <laughs> I've waited too long. I... It's been a fine story. But no story is really a story until it has a beginning, <coughs> a middle, <coughs> and an... An end, Father? 
father. That poor boy. Come back, father. I... This isn't fair. I can hear the robot returning again. Aloysius does too. He's looking about. He's picking up the bust of Shakespeare next to the bed and shoved something, the will, under it. Master Erasmus, I have returned with young Master Dalton. He's gone, Dalton. Father is dead. And he told me that I must be the caretaker now of Brimblebank's manor and its storytelling duties. What? Ah, stranger, stranger. Who the dickens are you? Never mind that. Millicent, I think I've heard everything I need to hear. I'm storming back up to the attic. I'm rushing back through the wardrobe. Yes, yes, I, I think I'm back in present day. Let's check downstairs. Bentley? Jameson? Ah, there you are. We were wondering where you'd gotten off to. Get out of my house. Your house? Oh, dear. Do you know? This house should be mine. Your father stole it from mine and then passed it on to you. Now, see here, young lady. What a basket of balderdash. I have the will right here. The last will and testament of Erasmus P. Brimblebanks. I saw your father hide it under a bust of Shakespeare in the past, and it was still there upstairs. Oh, excrement. Did you know? You are a guest in this house, and- Stop. She knows, Bentley. You can see she knows. Dash it all! You did know. I knew you knew! We didn't do it. But you knew. Yes. Before he left this realm, Father was both swimming in whiskey waters one night and feeling remorseful. Which is to say he was drunk and sad. He told us everything. So yes. But we didn't do it. But we didn't make it right. Get out. Now just a moment, Lucinda. We've been taking care of this house and these stories for some time now. Yes, fraudulently. Perhaps so. But this place, these stories, they are a responsibility. A burden, even, at times. I can handle it. So can Millicent. Cousin Millicent, your sister is an absolute... My sister is twice as honourable as the two of you put together. And she's a delightful storyteller. You don't know what you're doing. We'll figure it out. At least let us stay and help you. I don't need your help. You will. I don't want your help. The last time you tried to help me, I wound up... What? What happened? Never mind. Lucinda, what happened since we saw you last? It doesn't matter. I want you out of here as soon as possible. Besides, Voxbot will be able to help me. Voxbot will be coming with us. I, I'm sorry, Master Jameson. I have been programmed to assist the keepers of the stories of Brimblebank's Manor. You traitorous little trash cat. Don't take it out on her. The cat is coming with us. Take your cat. Send for your personal effects and get out. Now! Lucinda, what happened to you? You two. Telling stories. That's what happened to me. But now this house and these stories aren't yours anymore. And nobody else will be hurt. You'd better hope you're right about that. Come, Midnight. We're going, dear. Lucinda, give us the chance to make this right. You've had decades. Well then, 
Goodbye, Voxbot. Thank you for everything. Goodbye, Sniff. Masters. Well, Millicent, pack your bags and head to Brimblebank's Manor. We have some stories to tell. You have been listening to the season finale of the inscrutable Brimblebank's Brothers Electronic Storytime, a story called The Truth. Written by Brody H. Brocky and Justin Vidovic and starring Brody H. Brocky as Bentley Brimblebanks and Justin Vidovic as Jameson Brimblebanks. This episode featured the voice talents of Colleen Stonar Williams as Lucinda Brimblebanks and Foxbot 3000, Ryan N. Wilcox as Aloysius Brimblebanks and Erasmus P. Brimblebanks, Heather Wing as Antilla Brimblebanks, Theo Billops as Young Aloysius Brimblebanks, Admiral Pillbox, and Mr. Tomnas. Peter Danica's young Mortimer Brimblebanks, and Jared Hofford as the mysterious adversary. This episode's commercial, Fansa Story Incorporated was written by Pro D.H. Brocky and starred Peter Danica and Theo Phillips. This month's musical guest was John Craigie with the song Family Reunion. To hear more of his humorous storytelling folk music, visit www.johncraigiemusic.com. Lucinda Brimblebanks previously appeared in Episode 3. Heart and Soul, Antilla and the Mysterious Adversary previously appeared in Episode 4 to Voxbot's Dream of Electric Bleeps and Episode 11, Baby Monsters. This has been the final episode of the first season of the inscrutable Brimblebanks Brothers Electronic Storytime. Lucinda and Millicent Brimblebanks will return to tell new stories in Season 2 starting in May. Until then this is the Voxbot 5000 saying, Always be sure to eat beets at least once a week.